and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website. If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch. You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime, or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex. That's it. That's our intro. Now, time for the show. This is And we are recording for the Embrace 2023. Happy ninth anniversary to the Contrarians. Hoot. Nine years, Alex. It's pretty wild. I still, I, you know, we've done so many of these uh, that they kind of not blend together at all because I can kind of recall most discussions we have except for uh, well, mute. I don't remember <laughs> anything about that. <laughs> But I I say that to say I still remember sitting at the bar in my kitchen with you when we did Nightmare Before Christmas because we were both just like, I think we used my phone or your phone yep. or something to record your it. And, yeah. And I was just like, we were both kind of like, what do we what do we do? It, it was uh, a long time ago. And I'd, I'd like to think at least for what we want to accomplish with a podcast, we've come a hell of a long way since then. I would like to think that we we keep getting better every year. And I think that we, we change and the show changes, but it's always been for the better. And whenever I've listened to one of the old episodes, it's always it's always a mixture of like, oh man, this is some some stuff makes me cringe, some stuff just makes me roll my eyes. And so but and then there's some stuff where I'm like, okay. So that's that's still, you know, that's something that's still with us now, <laughs> you know, nine yeah. years ago, they were, I, I think it's just, you know, the, the camaraderie or whatever, you know, like that's, I think that the reason that we're still doing it nine years later is because we, we both have a good time doing it and it works. If, mm-hmm. if this conversation didn't work, then obviously we would have called it quits a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, we survived going remote. There was uh <laughs> that was a big change a couple of years ago and we're still going. I think that if anything, it made our schedule more flexible in a way that has benefited the show. Definitely. Because um, I remember years ago in the pre-pandemic days, you would mention that at some point you wanted to leave Austin and I would always get a chill. I was like, man, but what that means that we can't record the same room. And now it's like, <laughs> we're recording the same room. Never. Yeah. It's just, it's remotely all the time. I don't have to wear pants. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, so welcome, uh, all of you. I want to say 99% of those listening are people that have been following us for a little bit, maybe even a couple episodes. Uh, if you're a brand new listener, hey, come on in. You get, I'm not going to say you're going to be lost, because even if you're not familiar with our show, you're familiar probably with awards shows, and that's really what this special episode is. That's what we do to celebrate our anniversary every year. 
Um, what we do is we look at the movies that we covered since the last time we did one of these. So everything that we covered since last November, November 2022. And uh, we have categories and we just give awards to those movies, to the people in those movies in those categories. And the categories kind of are, are built around the, the gimmick of our show. And uh, again, if you're a first timer, the, the gimmick of our show is that we go against the Rotten Tomatoes scores. So we go in depth about that on, on regular episodes. On this episode, what we need to tell you is what the categories are. So you're like not scratching your head whenever we talk about Ethan Embry or what the hell is a hooey. <laughs> yeah, I think also it's fair to point out that in our lineal episodes or like our official canon entries on our main timeline, um, they're broken into two parts where we make a case against the Rotten Tomatoes score that sometimes may have to be completely facetious or, you know, fabricated just to make a point. And then we always bring it home by talking about how we really feel with what we discuss. But today, as Julio will explain the, 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 I guess, um, on brand names we've come up with for our awards. These are all the good and the bad come from a place of uh, a genuine place of Julio and I both, expressing from the movies of the past year what we think were the best and worst of what we did uh for our podcast yeah no no pretending here this is all real talk yeah <laughs> so uh let's let's get to those categories and we're gonna start with the 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 one that gives the show its name the, the why the Embrys, and that's because of ethan Embry, who has become a much lauded figure here on our show it's part of the show's mythology uh Back in episode eight, I want to say, when we did Empire Records. And Way back of course, in the day. Yeah. Listeners that have been with us for a while like at this point are just kind of like nodding. or like, yes, episode <laughs> eight. Um, we we just went so hard for his performance in that movie. That movie, a movie that we both liked. Alex adores it. I, I think it's fun. And Ethan Embry just goes for it in that, in that movie. He's just... He's not even the main character, but he's always just giving it 300%. Oh, we mustn't dwell. No. No, not today. We can't. <laughs> not on Rex Manning Day. I heard you It was the... It was like the first thing that kind of made Huli and I figure out, like, kind of what we're doing in the sense of if we are going to make an argument uh, like the the analytical side of like finding good or great things in I'm making air quotes now you know bad movies and that's a classic case I love Empire Records but I completely understand how someone <laughs> if they watched it for the first time in 2023 would be like this is fucking stupid I don't get it but <laughs> even if they did that what they couldn't argue is that Ethan Embry as the part of Mark gives gives it his all in a way that is completely commendable yes. Exactly. And so Ethan Embry, or, you know, Embry, just <laughs> for those of us who love him, uh, he he became the, the namesake of the Good Awards. And so tonight, as we've done in previous ceremonies, we're going to give out supporting actor Embrys, lead actor Embrys, supporting actress Embrys, lead actress Embrys. And then, of course, we're going to give the Embry, which is just just goes to a movie. Uh, and for the most part, I mean, yes, it's the Good but also it's the the 
it's supposed to reward somebody trying really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's shining. It just we're gonna reward the tryhards whenever possible. Uh on the other side of the spectrum, the opposite of the embry has had different names. Uh, but it's basically it started as the the Connies, named after Scott Kahn and uh <laughs> Ready to rumble. Uh, Scott Kahn's energy in Ready to Rumble is the complete opposite of the Embry's energy in Empire Records. Scott Kahn could not be bothered to try in that movie. Hey, Gordy. Yeah. Why does it look like you have your finger in your butt? And you may enjoy that movie, like Alex does. But even then, you can't argue <laughs> that no, Scott Kahn... you cannot. <laughs> just, he, he's checked out. He's there to collect the paycheck. And of course, the joke that we always make is that in between takes, he's just checking his texts. And sometimes you can yeah. see it. So just like with the Embrys, you know, you get a supporting actor. Back then, it was support actor Connie, lead actor Connie, and so on until you get to the Connie. But the thing we did with this category the negative category is that every couple of years we change the name so it started as the scott Kahn award but then it went into the rousey's it became the ronda rousey award after ronda rousey's performance in uh, the entourage movie or lack she, thereof <laughs> yes she was playing herself and she couldn't do it whatever i thought a nice normal guy wanted to hang out for once i did i do no one under 250 pounds ever has the balls to talk to me i should have known better from there, we went to uh, the guy from Basic Instinct 2, Morrissey. It became the Morrisseys. Well, you still haven't told me if you killed him. Can you put that out, please? Put it out now or you can leave, okay? David Morrissey, was that his name? David Morrissey, yeah. yeah. Not Morrissey, the, the musician. No. He probably would have done a better job in Basic Instinct than David Morrissey. Uh, but now we are in the what it, what should be the final incarnation, the Hooies. And no, there, that's not a last name. This is to honor uh, one of our favorite clips that came up during our Crash episode, David Cronenberg's Crash, where Alex brought up the, I guess now just, infamous exchange between Roger Ebert and uh, Gene Siskel on their show, where Siskel very emphatically told Roger that Crash was hooey. <laughs> it's hooey, Roger. <laughs> ...by the performance artist that somehow this is a connection between life and death. Yeah. That's well, a bunch you know, of hooey. The movie doesn't it's hooey. Uh, you, uh, the movie thinks so too, Gene. The movie uh -huh. is... A so now they're the hooeys. So supporting actor hooey, lead actor hooey, so on, until we build up to the hooey. The worst movie... That it's just it's just hooey. So, in addition to those, which are the main uh, awards, we have some extra awards that have been adding themselves to the <laughs> to the show during the years. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but at some point we decided to add uh, the Ruffalo, which celebrates that came after the kids are all right. Yes. So whenever we did the kids are all right, like that year, uh, which is after the Mark Ruffalo performance there, where. If you've seen the kids are right, then you know where we're going. It's just pure sexual Armageddon. Whenever you see his asshole in that movie, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you don't regret it. You're like, okay, I, this fits with the movie. Yeah, more is more. Yeah, I like that. Right on. Let's do that. So the Ruffalo goes to the most memorable sex scene that that we've covered this year. Um, most recently, we've added the Lancaster Dodd Grant. Lancaster Dodd, of course, is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in The Master. 
I have unlocked and discovered a secret to living in these bodies that we hold. And oh, yes, it's very, 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 very serious. <laughs> if you listen to our Vassar episode, then you probably remember Alex saying that despite how much we love this movie, just acknowledging that it's prime white people shit. <laughs> and so we created the Lancaster Dot Grant for the development of white people movies. And that <laughs> award, that grant goes to the whitest movie that we've done uh, this year. So there's a lot of them. So the, there's always going to be candidates uh, on any given year of the contrarians. Um, I think that's the have, only category this year where I have no runners up. I only could give it to one. Really? Yes. I, I have a few runners ups. Well, uh, it's because the one is so overpower, over <laughs> overwhelmingly white that it, it. You had to put the sunglasses on whenever you were typing it. It was blinding. Uh, and then uh, there's another say, uh, patron saint of the show, and much like Ethan Embry, and that is Josh Gad. We we just bring up Josh Gad a lot. We used to bring him up a lot during the episodes uh, in our first year or so, and and now over the last year or so we bring him up a lot in our uh warm-up videos that we do uh for every episode that we put on youtube and on facebook and we have the gad minute where we just recast josh gad in any of the movies that we're covering well that's a dick thing to ask google <laughs> like do you expect the answer is uh thank you reader josh gad is actually a dick we've done an investigation and josh gad steals money from children like what were you expecting this answer to be is Josh Gad a nice guy? I think you just gave them the answer. The Gad Award, and and its antithesis, the anti-Gad, uh, those are very specific to what we do on the show in the sense that they focus on the Rotten Tomatoes score. So the Gad is the award that we give to a movie that's rotten, that really doesn't deserve that reputation. It may not be a mm-hmm. good movie, but it's definitely not a movie that has a reputation that comes with that green splotch that Rotten Tomatoes gives you. Um, the anti-God is the opposite. It's a movie that's fresh, but doesn't deserve that fresh reputation because it's really uh, bad or at the very least not that great. So there are years where those categories have been announced vacant. <laughs> no, we don't always have an anti-God. We usually have a God at least. Um, mm-hmm. But we have those there. So what are you going to see? What are you going to hear on this show? It's going to be Alex and I going through these categories. We each are going to give our runner-ups and our awards. It's a lot of awards that we have to give. And uh, hopefully you'll have as much fun reminiscing about the last 12 months of Contrarian's goodness as we are about to have. So I think that's it, Alex. I think all that's left is uh, listing the movies that we're going to be covering. Yes, so Julio prepared these really nice ballots for us. And they... uh have all of the eligible films that we've covered over the past year. We started with uh, the 2011 MMA epic Warrior, moved into Grease 2, uh, IO, Star Trek, Star Trek being the, is it 2009? The, mm-hmm. the, first, the first in the Chris Pine trilogy. Uh, Nothing But Trouble, Kin, The Bone Collector, Being John Malkovich, Pretty Persuasion, Labor Day, Goodfellas, 2007's Death Sentence, The Mutations, About a Boy, Waitress, Dark Crimes, Riders of Justice, The Long Goodbye, Jurassic World Dominion, 
La Jete or La Jetty, uh, as we had a fun time in that episode <laughs> trying to figure out exactly how to pronounce it, which of course is a precursor to 12 Monkeys, Paris, Texas, Barbed Wire, Dolomite Is My Name, Color Out of Space, Invasion USA, Burning, The Princess Bride, Jaws The Revenge, The Commitments, Strange Days, Frank, Double Indemnity, Vikram, <laughs> Four Brothers, and Dawn of the Dead. Of course, Vikram, the only movie out of that lineup, I believe, that has a title track where it sings the name of the movie. So, <laughs> And Dawn of the Dead is the, the Romero version. Thank you. Not the Thank Zack you. Snyder one. Yeah, beat me to it. It was the 1978 version. All right. That is... A very eclectic collection of movies. I mean, they always are, but this year in particular, because so much of it was taken by the patron takeover, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of movies that we were not even aware they existed or that we had never seen before at the very least. So a lot of uh, first-time watches uh, this year, I think. So the way we're going to do it, as discussed right before we started recording, we're going to go category by category. We'll, you know, one of us will take Embry and Huey, and then the other one will do the same. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and begin with the supporting actor Embry and the supporting actor Huey. So I'll go ahead and kick this one off. For supporting actor Embry, a bit of a crowded field, a little bit. Uh, the most crowded, I think. I I, I want to go ahead and issue a, a statement ahead of time. Um, I prepared a statement. <laughs> there's a few movies on this that are so good and classic. And were so revered at their time of their release. And to this day that I felt it would kind of be underwhelming if I featured those in my awards. So Warrior, Goodfellas, La Jetty, 12 Monkeys, Paris, Texas, and Double Indemnity uh, are not going to sweep as they would at a normal <laughs> awards show. I guess I'll just say it that way. I like the inclusion of La Jete there because it's a movie that... You know, we we came into it very new. The other ones, I think that we, at the very least, knew by reputation. But that movie's uh, insane. Like I, I <laughs> <laughs> my brain is still kind of recovering from a lot of that. But uh, so supporting actor Embry, we had you know uh, John Malkovich in being John Malkovich. He's not even the lead in a movie with his fucking name in it. But uh, <laughs> that scene on the side of the road where he's melting down and gets hit in the head with a can—that's great. It's my mind, my brain. Whatever he says, that's. <laughs> Because it's my head, Schwartz. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Um, the Mutations is an interesting film. The acting is not particularly good in it, but our boy Donald Pleasance rocks the shit in that as the evil scientist. <laughs> so I, it, that was one that came to mind. Um, everyone in Riders of Justice, that isn't Mads Mikkelsen, uh, but <laughs> particularly Nicholas Bro as Emmenthaler is fantastic. Would be remiss if I didn't mention Steven Yun from Burning, as he's unbelievably unsettling in that movie and very creepy. Uh, but I'm glad we're starting with this because this is the one that'll get me canceled out of the way early. Uh, <laughs> disgraced former A-list actor James Woods in Pretty Persuasion. Oh, God. It- <laughs> really started with the hot takes. Kimberly, listen to me. Okay, I'm gonna say something to you. There is a difference between bona fide racism and just speaking the truth, which is what I'm doing here. You understand that, right? 
a big difference, okay? Because racism, true racism, stems from ignorance. It is ignorant. Now, I don't want to ever catch you being a racist. This is not to say, you know, that you have license to bring R. Kelly home for dinner, okay? He made me laugh so hard in that, and he is embodying the spirit of the Embry because we have some you liked it a lot well I didn't even like it I thought it was an interesting movie it offers some very interesting discussion points that may come back up later in this episode but Mm -hmm. he embodies the spirit of the Embry in the sense of that movie's incredibly disturbing with its subject matter uh, but he doesn't really care about that. He knows what his character needs to be. Just this a- absolutely over the top drunk asshole. And he really made me laugh hard in that movie. And it was the, every time he was on screen, it was the most enjoyment I got out of it. And um, that movie didn't make me miserable or like unhappy, like some of the movies we've done, but it's oh, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it's not like what I would call necessarily a fun watch. And some of the subject matters just really, really rough but when he was there it was funny and also as i talk about in the episode it was a reminder of like man he was like if he now he's a disgraced former a-lister <laughs> james woods <laughs> if he had chosen to just not tweet <laughs> to, think of, <laughs> to think about where we we could potentially be today with james woods and he i mean he's making money and he's probably He'll probably get some awards coming up with Oppenheimer and whatnot since he was a, an executive producer on it. But um, for what the spirit of the Embry is, and even though this isn't a popular one, it's um, when Polanski won for the the pianist. Like he's not actually there to accept the award, and people just kind of tepidly clap. Uh, but- I was wrestling with that. I'm like, do I make a Polanski joke? And I'm glad that you got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Not as bad as anything that guy did, but it's the easiest like award show moment that we can just about and compare it to. So, um, I guess the the main takeaway is we had for most categories. Also, I had a few crowded fields. Not most, but like for several, it was I had to whittle down to my honorable mentions. But James Woods, maybe the last award you're gonna get. Come come take it. <laughs> It's very uh, ominous. <laughs> well, um, let's let's give uh, the crowd a minute because we just lost half the audience. So everybody's kind of like <laughs> rearranging their seats. I, I have yeah. Not this ben. is definitely Ben no. <laughs> pumping his fist, saying "fuck yeah, yeah. man." <laughs> He's glad that uh, this came on the Embry category, not the Hooey. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't give James Woods a Hooey. I would just begrudgingly hand him like anything that's a compliment at this point. Um. All right, so I I agree that there's some some fields that are crowded. This one is for me easily the the most crowded. I think that I could pull uh, a candidate from almost every movie. Uh, not going to, of course, but I I went into it kind of like you, where I was just like, I don't want to give an obvious award. Like you know, Pitchy already has an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, <laughs> <laughs> even though you know you could make the argument that he was trying, but. Um, I, I like whenever possible w- with these shows that we do. Uh, I like to, if I have the perfect storm of like 
an actor that's trying really hard, like you can tell it's trying harder than everybody else, or, or an actor that's trying really hard in a movie that's not trying really hard, <laughs> that, that's always, that always tickles me. So I want to at least give him a call, even if they don't get the award. And that is the case with uh, Leland Orser in The Bone Collector, who... God bless. Gets a ridiculous reveal, and he's at his most Leland Orser, and it's just, it's a highlight of a movie that's not particularly good. I mean, it's not, we had a good time with it. We, there was plenty to laugh at, and, you know, Denzel and Angelina, they can carry a movie, obviously, but... The Highland is Leland Orser being revealed as a villain. Sorry, just spoiled this really old movie for you, but it's still amazing, even if you know that's happening. <laughs> you can see. He just uh he gets a big monologue. He has he he has like a five-minute fight scene with Denzel Washington, and Denzel is paralyzed from the neck down. <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh so I, I give him a shout out for that. And then um I kind of for, I half forgot his name in the little video pre-show we just did, but uh, Adrian Zmed in Greece too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found him uh, one of the highlights of the movie. The movie's pretty uneven, but I I liked him as a T-Bird in a way that I didn't. You know, I he he was a lot more engaging as a T-Bird than any of the original T-Birds. Sorry, but that's the truth. I mean, other than Travolta, but Travolta is wow. Travolta. Travolta is not a T-bird. Travolta is Travolta. Uh, wow. I'm sorry. Duty and Sonny and fuck them Kaniki? all. Kaniki uh, is, I mean, he's he's just sharing Travolta's spotlight, but he's not. You know, Adrian Zomet is there. He doesn't have the name, and yet he comes in and, and makes an impression. But don't worry, Alex, I'm not going to give him the... The award, and honestly, just for for a joke, uh, I wanted to give it to Tobin Bell and Goodfellas, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I do respect these awards. Um, last one, last runner up, uh, just because somebody has to mention it. Uh, Campbell Scott in Jurassic World Dominion. I don't know if it's a good performance, but he definitely stands out as somebody who's doing his own thing, and. Nobody else in that movie is doing anything interesting, <laughs> but he was, he's the bad guy and he seems like he's distracted half the time, but distracted intentionally. So that somebody was trying in that movie, you know, that he deserves props. Um, the actual award goes to, it, it's a more of an obvious pick. Uh, Writers of Justice. Yes, you said anybody from that cast. That's not Matt Mickelson, but I will single out uh, Nicolas Lee Cass. Uh, Otto, who yes. gets yeah. the Oscar clip that we discussed in that uh, video pre-show, and mm-hmm. uh, he is—I mean, him and Mads, it's kind of like you said in, in, the, in the video. You know, they—they they share the emotional, the biggest, the, the emotional core of the movie. It's—is that relationship that develops between them, and he, Mads Mikkelsen, is a Hollywood star. This dude is not, but he—they go toe to toe, and you know. <laughs> He doesn't blink. He, he's there the, the entire time. He's definitely out of uh, everybody uh, that's not Matt Mickelson. He is the the one that you can identify with the most and the, the one that gets the most to do too. So I'm going to give an embry. I thought some times that people with problems have more to find together. Like tyke people. So they see less tyke out when they're together. So it's a little easier to live with. All right, so we move into the hooey for supporting actor, Julio. All right. 
For this, we get the first of our patron contributions. This year, we're recording this way ahead of time. Uh, it's the beginning of the month, and it doesn't come out until the end of the month. So I had to rush with the call to patrons to come in and like, hey, if you want to send something, you have to send it like tomorrow at the latest. And so uh, some of them came through. Thank you. And those of you who didn't make the deadline, that's okay. I mean, you know, there's always next year. I'll give you more notice next year. But uh, here's Ben with a, a clip for supporting actor Hui. Well, thank you once again for inviting me to be part of the Embrys. Uh, well done once again, boys. Another fantastic year of podcasting. Pleased to always be a part of it. Pleased to always be listening. Um, without further ado, let's get right to it. The Lancaster Dodd grant for the development of white people movies. Of course, it must go to Dolomite is my name. Never has there been a whiter movie covered on this show. I'm just kidding. That is not the award. Of course, I am actually going to throw a hooey in there. And the hooey is going to let me find this motherfucker's name. (laughs) Let me find his name. I realized I started recording this without his name. The Bone Collector. That fucking reveal, Leland Orser, the killer, <laughs> Leland Orser, that was awful, appalling acting by him when he suddenly revealed himself to be the crazy, wacky killer behind it all. He's such a skinny, pathetic run. He's unbelievable anyway, and his over-the-top performance infuriated me as a teenager, and it infuriated me again when I heard you boys talking about it. He gets the hooey, Leland Orser, in the bin. Thank you, boys, and enjoy. I, I promise I did not listen to Ben's clip before I made my my nominations. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder, because he's, you know, what he doesn't like about <laughs> Leland Orser's performance is what Leland Orser brings to, I think, most of his performances. So I wonder if Ben feels this way about Leland Orser in Saving Private Ryan or Leland Orser in Seven, or if it's just specifically honed in to The Bone Collector because he he plays such a big part at the end. Um, I don't know. Ben, let us know. But, all right. Let's see if uh, do you agree with Ben, Alex? Because obviously I don't. Uh, but or do you have a different uh, set of nominees and and a winner for supporting actor Hui? Oh yeah, the Bone Collector didn't get anything. That's just kind of how unremarkable that movie is. <laughs> so the Hui for supporting actor in the honorable mention field, we have Lance Guest from Jaws: The Revenge, and I honestly don't know if it's that dude. Or just how awful the screenwriting is, but man, he, <laughs> whew. that's the that's the main guy, right? Like the 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 son, not the main guy, the but son, the main, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the main, main guy's the main guy's name is Jaws. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and he he's just not fun to watch in a movie that like Michael Caine is in. Michael Caine would have to like work up to being an autopilot in that movie and he's still <laughs> just fantastic lance guest sorry brother uh you get your gift basket but not the award <laughs> this one pained me and this does fall on uh screenwriting but i'm still jeff goldblum jurassic world dominion it <laughs> felt like such a waste and he's not acting he's not doing this like cynically but it still it it was just bad. It was um, a disappointment all the way around. Uh, but neither of them. 
could measure up to, and this is something you know we mentioned from our patron takeover, but something we discussed actually with one of our patrons, and that was the film Nothing But Trouble, and <laughs> I'm gonna give it. We're gonna cut it in half. <laughs> and one half will go to Dan Aykroyd and one half will go to Chevy Chase. And <laughs> we know they are two men capable of outstanding achievement in the field of comedy. And Dan Aykroyd's obviously a very talented screenwriter. Uh, but <laughs> that movie is so bad. You might be interested to know that you are not under the jurisdiction of just any old fishing license dispenser and stamp pad jockey. We've always been set to deal with the offenders once and for all at their first appearance. Quick as sump grease to a ten-year-old goose. Congratulations. I'm glad to know things are running smoothly for you. Dan Aykroyd kind of, it feels like he understands the tone he wants the movie to be. And Chevy Chase does not understand the tone at all. Yep. And they, they don't work together to achieve harmony so they're gonna split it and sit in a corner and think about what they did <laughs> 32 years ago uh i i gotta like split them a different way because i i considered chase the lead actor in that movie and so i had in my short list for lead actor who eventually he didn't even make that cut but mm-hmm. i i know what you're what you're saying on the other hand dan Aykroyd, i considered for a supporting actor embry just because He's he's really going for it. And I'm like, look, <laughs> that's kind of commendable. <laughs> hey, hey, ho, ha, ho. <laughs> hula, 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 the bula, bula, bula. Look who's got the front seats of the Mexican hat dance now. Just like a bunch of spiders and a birthday cake. I'm not going to defend him too much, though. And, and Chevy Chase definitely sucks there. So overall, I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that we don't have any overlap on this one, though. Hit me with it. Um, I also have two runners up and and one easy winner. Uh, first runner up. Speaking of like, I don't know if it's a, the performance or the screenplay. Uh, Tom Sizemore in Strange Days. And oh, <laughs> he gets some very unfortunate uh, scenes in that in that movie. Uh, probably the worst of them is when he. Uh, when he gets his big villain monologue where he explains what's been happening in the movie and it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. But he also has some, like, I think that as an actor, sometimes you need to push back against the screenwriter and some of the lines that he gets, whether they're from Cameron or from uh, the other guy that, that worked on the script, but some of the, the lines that he gets earlier in the movie when we're first they're first introducing his character. They're pretty bad. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to put a, at least a little bit of it on Sizemore. And that wig is ridiculous. So he gets a, a, Very bad. a shout out. Yeah. Uh, now, with maybe five minutes of screen time in the movie, Michael B. Jordan in Kin is so... Brother, <laughs> I, had it, I had it up there. And I thought because he's in it for such a short period of time that it wouldn't be worth mentioning. But I appreciate you, you take, falling on this grenade. <laughs> If Judy Dench can get an Oscar for being five minutes in uh, Shakespeare in Love, Michael B. Jordan can get a hooey <laughs> for being in Ken for five minutes. Uh, yeah, it's it's just so weird. Just cast somebody that's not a name because it's such a and, and this is 
this is a trend in Ken. We'll we'll hear about something similar uh, in a little bit. But Michael B. Jordan, not, not so good in that movie. The award, though, goes to a character, an actor that played a character that was like nails on chalkboard. And that is A.D. Jameson in Waitress. And you inspire poetry in me. Here's one I'm making up right here on the spot. Dawn, can I bring you joy like you brung me sunshine? Can I hold you a minute and it turns into forever? Did you like that one? No! He's uh, the guy that uh, does poetry, spontaneous poetry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Very bad. Yeah, he... <laughs> I mean, we must be in the minority because uh, as we learned, I think, during our video warm-up for that episode, he he was later asked to reprise the role on the Broadway adaptation of Waitress. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they like him, Alex. Uh, we just didn't. And I definitely didn't. I, I know him from other movies. Uh, I think I mentioned on the episode that he's on Ocean's Eleven. He's one of the original Eleven. And, and he's fine there. And I've seen him in a couple of uh, TV shows. He was an iZombie uh, for for a few episodes he's not a bad actor he's just turned up to like 15 in waitress and it's just really really annoying so sorry eddie uh you get a hooey because it's somebody has to and it's you okay how about a spontaneous tidbit that rhymes all my life i met harlots but you are a queen but there's something between all right julio where are we moving to next uh, all right, well, from supporting actor to lead actor. So lead actor, Embry, another category full of uh, potentials. So I'm going to start with my runners up. And Alex, I know you didn't want to, and I agree, like shower praise on 12 Monkeys when that's a movie that's pretty well renowned and, and well loved overall. But I, I kind of have to give Bruce Willis an acknowledgement here because he is not known as as he's known as an action star he's known as you know a charismatic performer but not as a, mm-hmm. somebody that has you know portrays depth and i think that his performance call in 12 monkeys is kind of underrated uh, and and that was something that i rediscovered when we did the episode just how good he is and how many different notes he plays as he his different levels of dilution in the movie they really work because of the way he portrays him and um, yeah so I wanted to give him a shout out there. Uh, also, because you're not going to, I'm going to uh, just give a nod to Robert Arkins from The Commitments. You All right. <laughs> you actually said that you disliked the performance in the episode, but I, I think he's okay. I, I think that, I mean, that sounds like very little praise. I think he's actually really good. I, I really like his conviction whenever he's trying to wrangle all these would-be musicians in turn him into a band and just every time he goes on and gives a speech and I, I like him i know he has that infamous line because i am the manager or i am the manager that you didn't yeah. like but I, I i thought it fit the he's i think he's very charismatic i think that that's part of why the movie works uh for me uh i i feel like it's kind of a crime to stay to not even pay lip service to fred mcmurray uh, just like I didn't pay lip service to Edward G. Robinson during the supporting category. So I'm just going to bundle them up here. It's like, yes, they're great, but but they would be. Um, in the end, I'm going to give the, the award to somebody that was a complete surprise. And that was Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye. Uh, where did you go last night, Marlon? Oh, is this where I'm supposed to say, what is all this about? And he says, uh, shut up, I asked the questions. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Marlowe. So just answer the questions. Where did you go last night? 
Well, maybe if I knew why you wanted to know, I could remember. You gainfully employed, Marlo? I don't know. <laughs> Where do you work? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. I understand English, believe it or not. I'm a private detective. I have my own agency. My God, I only knew him <laughs> as Ross's dad in Friends. And I knew that he had a career as... as a movie actor. I mean, I've seen him. Speaking of Ocean's Eleven, right? You know, he's in that franchise too. But he always comes across as like the goofy older guy. And here, in the long goodbye, he's also goofy, but but in a very cool way. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was just blown away by how cool Elliot Gould was in how good the movie was. You know, and he's at the center of it. So Elliot Gould, you you were in a noir that I really liked and it was in big part because of your performance. So here you go. Here's an Embry. Well, that's fitting because I have him in the honorable mention lineup as well because he was just so fantastic and everything you just expressed kind of helps truncate anything I would have said. So (laughs) I, of course, have Mads Mikkelsen getting a shout out for Writers of Justice. Uh, Eddie Murphy, who... Got to call him out for Dolomite is my name. We talk about a whole thing of like it's Eddie Murphy and you never know what you're going to get these days. But he's clearly passionate about that movie and uh, really pulled it off uh, in a way that was above and beyond the call of duty, as they say. And then I had a hard time kind of narrowing it down to who actually takes home the lead actor, Embry. But the official runner up would be Kevin Bacon in Death Sentence. I oh, do wow. love that movie. And I think he's excellent right up until the last scene. But the Embry for lead actor will go home because of his commitment to what was going on, because of his determination to pull off everything that you know he believed his character would do. And also, in this performance, have us question what could have been 30 years after the release of a film, Ray Fiennes for Strange Days takes home the lead actor, Embry. Now listen, I want you to know what what we're talking about here, okay? This is not like TV, only better. This is life. It's a piece of somebody's life. It's pure and uncut, straight from the cerebral cortex. I mean, you're there, you're doing it, you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're feeling it. Nice. I had him in the short list earlier, and I was like, I mean, he's he still went on to have a career, just not the career that you would expect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, but in strange now things. he's dignified Shakespearean actor when he could have been like <laughs> fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger 3.0. <laughs> <laughs> I think we made a joke in the episode, but he could be leading the Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can get you what you want. I can. I can get you anything. You just have to talk to me. You have to trust me. Okay, trust me. Because I'm, I'm your priest. I'm, I'm your shrink. I am your main connection to the, to the switchboard of souls. All right, and Alex, we he didn't send a clip, but before we move on to lead actor Huey, we did get a message from Jason Nerdrovert. Nice. Uh, yeah, and he just said it was it was pretty to him. It was so obvious. There, there was no need to explain. Best actor Embry, Matt Mickelson for Riders of Justice. Just another banger of a performance to add to his list of work. He's not wrong. Uh, accurate. <laughs> accurate. It's I. 
it's still one of those things that every time I think of that movie, it, we mentioned it in the episode, it's, it's like, well, now we know it, you know, we didn't a couple of years ago, and but we know it and we love it. And the people that have seen it love it just as much. And it's just, but I don't know that that's still like something that people know him for, you know, mm-hmm. Matt Mickelson, they probably know him for Rogue One and Casino Royale and Hannibal, the Hannibal. TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and more people need to watch uh, Riders of Justice <laughs> so they can understand why Jason gave him the the Embry. But uh, let's move over to lead actor Huey. Also, eh, not not as loaded a category, which I guess is a good thing. But I, I do have two runners up, and before I give the big award, and uh, you probably know who I'm going to give it to, Alex. So let's get those those honorable mentions out of the way. First of all, an actor I like, and I even like him in parts of this movie. But Nicolas Cage in Color Out of Space, he is great. Until he starts doing the Nicolas Cage meme thing. And then mm-hmm. it's just, why do I care? There's some really sweet, powerful moments with his wife, with his family in the in the first half of the movie. And then as the movie goes crazier, he just becomes a meme. And I'm like, Nick Cage, we know that you, you know better. <laughs> so, so, no, I'm not going to let it pass. But he doesn't get the award. Somebody else who doesn't get the award, but will get just a stern talking to, uh, Maxwell Caulfield in Grease 2. That's a movie I like, but mm-hmm. he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he is terrible. He is so bad that even M, who did that episode with us, uh, who loves the movie more than the two of us combined, uh, even she agreed that he he's just not good. So you're on thin ice, Mr. Caulfield. I mean, Empire Records can only take you so far. And then the award goes to, of course, I couldn't give it to anybody else. You, you, if you listen to the episode, you know, Invasion USA, Chuck Norris. If you live through this, tell Rostov, it's time to die. He's obviously playing to his audience, but I, I'm not that audience. And so to me, Chuck Norris in that movie is just completely devoid of charisma and... Like, he's not even trying to do anything. So, it's the most underwhelming <laughs> performance of the past year. Just, I was hoping to have fun with an action movie, and instead it was just Chuck Norris kind of like slow motion walking through set pieces. Chuck, there are better movies out there. Ebert said so. <laughs> better movies that star you. Uh, but this one's not one of those performances. So, he gets the hooey. How about you, Alex? So for my lead actor, Huey, we had three runners up, three honorable mentions. Uh, you called it out already, Nicolas Cage for Color Out of Space. He is just, I'm Nicolas Cage. And it is, <laughs> I did not care for that movie <laughs> at all. Uh, Invasion USA, Chuck Norris. I agree with you on that one. And then it was a tough one to determine between you know 1A and 1B, but... The official runner-up will be Jim Carrey in Dark Crimes, because while he does go for it, you had the great line of, yes, he goes for it, but at what cost? And, you know, <laughs> that movie is just such trash, and his performance in it, while he obviously was dedicated and committed to the movie, because it's so bad, his 
determination and dedication stand out in a way of like, dog, what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> but the winner of the lead actor who he goes to the aforementioned Rex Manning, Maxwell Caulfield, because <laughs> of when we did that episode and the discussion and reading those uh, excerpts of interviews with him where he was saying that he was going to be whatever he might've said like the next Tom Cruise or something. Remember that mm-hmm. we read that and he said that movie, you know, derailed, his career for 10 years or whatever. And as much as I love empire records and as much as I love the character of Rex Manning, just my takeaway from that of him being like, Oh yeah, this movie's terrible, but none of it's my fault. That really left like a sour taste in my mouth. And I, I, I circle back to that by giving you (laughs) Maxwell Caulfield, the hooey for lead actor. Actually, I think you're kind of terrific. Get out of here. You're the terrific one. I mean, you know all this deep junk and everything. I don't understand that deep junk any better than you do, really. I just uh, seem to know a few big words that impress English teachers, like our friend Miss Mason, that's all. Well, you impressed me. And I give credit to who I want, okay? To whom? To who, to whom. To you, that's whom. So learn how to take a compliment, all right? All right. It's hilarious, because yeah, you're right. When we were talking about that, we're like, well, it did derail Michelle Pfeiffer's career. <laughs> <laughs> for, even uh, Christopher McDonald, Shooter McGavin, did all yep. right for himself. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex, it's your turn to lead us into supporting actress. All right, so back to the girls again, talking about the Embry for supporting actress. So outstanding achievement in the field of going for it. This one also may upset you, Julio. Uh-oh. James Woods, come and take your award. <laughs> uh, all right, James so f- Woods in drag, just dressed as... Uh... <laughs> like that episode of King of the Hill where Bill starts wearing a dress. I'm Lenore. That's James Woods just comes up and, oh, thank you. Uh, burning. Start off with Jean Jong-Sio. Uh, uh-huh. sh- played uh Jaime in that movie Jaime and we were both extremely complimentary of how fantastic she was in that film um Rachel Vice for about a boy if for nothing else than that one scene where she makes Hugh Grant realize how uncool he is yes uh, is excellent and then I was shocked myself that it came back up but we're going back to pretty persuasion and we're going to talk about Jenna Maroney and we're going to talk about Jane Krakowski in this film in what? the sense, <laughs> dude, I talk about it in the episode. Her career up until Thirty Rock was bit parts, you know. Right, she was kind of there and whatnot. And again, I don't think Pretty Persuasion is a good movie, but I remember watching that and watching her performance in particular and thinking, like, she obviously, and as you should as an actor, any role you get could be the next big role, and you know that's going to lead to your breakout and whatnot. But like. I I just remember thinking like she treated that role with such vigor and like um treated even Rachel Wood with such vigor. Hey. Do you know I thought that you were like I was in high school. Alone or smarter than everyone else. Just misunderstood, but you're not. My God, you're just another one of the mean ones who called me names, who made my life miserable. My God, you're just another one of those. Okay, I'm gonna listen carefully. That is the sound of me not caring. 
Where'd I go? You used me. Oh, ditto, sister. That's part of it. It is a role that you have to have a certain amount of, like, fearlessness is such an overused cliche, but, um, you know, it's a bit of a roll of the dice with what her character does in that movie. But mm-hmm. I, I, I just remember thinking for what she ended up making her nut on, which is 30 Rock, and God bless her because she's fucking hilarious on that, uh, just the way her character thinks she's using people, but then figures out she's getting used and the way she reacts to all that. And it, it was when I was going through these, honestly, I'm going to, like, it was, it was surprising when I narrowed it down and she was like the one that stuck in my head. I was like, I guess, <laughs> I guess, she, you know, it's like the year, um, what, uh, when crash won, when, uh, broke back was supposed to win. You know, uh-huh. I, I, if I open the envelope on this, I'm Jack Nicholson. Like what happened? Just yelling to the other. <laughs> Cast members. <laughs> so while I I know there were better acting performances in the movies we covered in the role of supporting actress, it was the one that like going through all these I just couldn't shake. Uh, it it doesn't make me mad. I fu- give Jane Krakowski all the props, all the awards. That's that's fine. I mean, she's not a problem in the movie, and she's. I, I guess my big surprise is that. You picked her over Selma Blair because Selma Blair has that moment where she puts on the schoolgirl outfit for Ron Livingstone and she has to do that really cringy, like, oh god, yeah. performance for him. And it's like it's a very uncomfortable scene to watch, but Selma Blair is really good in it. I mean, not good enough to make my short list, but <laughs> <laughs> well, on my end, Alex, uh, gotta bring some different names. And while I agreed with you that uh, Jim Carrey went for it and it was to his detriment in Dark Crimes, I think that Charlotte Gainsbourg went for it just the right amount in that movie. I thought about that, too, because if I remember correctly, both of us said the best part of the movie was the last scene in which she gets mm -hmm. the big monologue. Yeah, she that movie asks her to just go places and she does and of course I mean she's from the Lars von Trier school so she's used to just this grimy disturbing stuff uh, the LVTU <laughs> the what Lars von Trier universe oh. right, no, you, 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 I'm sorry you need to see in there so be the LVTCU yeah there you go <laughs> Lars von Trier cinematic universe is where you just you come out of that a change performer and yeah she's doing this and she feels real in a way that Carrie doesn't and, and you know you can just tell um, so she's good the rest of the movie not so much not at all <laughs> but she's good uh, I on our video I gave some props to Natasha Kinski and I'm gonna do it again I, I think that she is amazing she is so good with very little screen time in paris texas and like i said on that warm-up video so good that it drove us to watch terminal velocity (laughs) which is great Uh, but she doesn't get the award the award goes to somebody that you have already mentioned and that is jong jong seo playing Jaime Jaime in burning uh i think she's great i mean those the three main characters in the in that movie are played to perfection, but she is the standout just because I think that she is the most sympathetic out of them and the one that gets to play so many different notes. She's she gets two musical moments. We alluded to her musical, to her dance, her topless dance in our video, but also she has the other moment when she performs that uh, that dance in front of uh, Steven Yeun and all his friends. 
그럼 제가 한번 해볼게요 <웃음> 그런데 리듬이 있어야 돼요 다 같이 손뼉을 쳐주세요 이렇게 She's great. They're assholes. It it just it works so well. And it's and then every time that she tells a story and she goes through all these emotions when she does the pantomimes, it's just it's a full meal. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I really like that movie, and I think that one of the reasons that I was just so into it was because of her performance. And then you know she's gone halfway through the movie and. Because she's so good, I think that also feeds your your need to know what happened, and I guess to kind of share a little bit of the obsession that the main guy uh, has with her, uh, you know, with solving the mystery of what happened to her. So, uh, yeah, she gets an Embry. We're, we're shipping it to Korea unless she's she's moved over to uh, to Hollywood like Steven Yeun. <laughs> All right, so we go from the yin to the yang. The best of times, the worst of times. Move into the the hooey for supporting actress. So for my honorable mentions, we have Juliette Lewis in Strange Days. As much as I love Juliette Lewis, I feel like I just always end up picking on her because you know we famously shredded Natural Born Killers, and um, in this case, I mean it's a movie. As much as I praise Ray Fiennes for his ability to flex and like go for something, and that she's so handcuffed and limited in what her character can do and it ain't good brother it's uh <laughs> that 90s damsel in distress that just is not becoming of what she's capable of uh we also have to me more and nothing but trouble uh that's just <laughs> as we talked about not a good movie <laughs> but she gets the titular line it she does and she's obviously very pretty and um She's in a movie with Tupac, so I guess that's uh, <laughs> that's what she has going for. Uh, but the hooey for supporting actress, and again, likely through no fault of her own, and by likely I mean not through any fault of her own, but stuck out like the proverbial sore thumb, Melissa Prophet in Invasion USA. She <laughs> exists to not matter, and also Miss Prophet herself does nothing to stand out and... In a movie that I found myself thinking almost everything in it was grating, when she was on screen, it was even worse. You stupid son of a bitch, you could have killed me! You said do something. Well, do something! Ow, shit! Sorry. What's wrong with you? I better leave before you get mad. Oh, yeah. Right. There! See you later, cowboy! And acknowledging... The screenwriting in that movie is trash, and the female character exists just to call Chuck Norris a cowboy. <laughs> but as Dahlia McGuire, man, it uh, it was rough. And like I said, going through the list and just thinking it over, it stuck out as bad with a capital B. I, so, I didn't even think about her character. I completely forgot that she existed. That's how little impact she makes. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of Invasion USA, I think of Chuck Norris being boring as all hell, and I think of Billy Drago getting murdered. It's shot at the balls, I think, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's metal. Yeah, uh, but no, she completely flew under my radar. Uh, no, what I have here is uh, I have Jennifer Morrison with a question mark because 
<laughs> think that it's not it's not her. She's great. I love Jennifer Morrison. It was just more that I remember that her character is just you know we made the joke in the episode. <laughs> Every time they cut back to her, she's just like folding laundry or <laughs> cooking dinner. Well, well, the man having the the exciting stuff. So it's not really you know. I just I just wanted to mention it. Um, I I alluded to it when I talked about Michael B. Jordan and Ken Carrie Coon, my beloved Carrie Coon, one of my favorite actresses. Third build on Ken. It shows up at the very end for five minutes of exposition. It's just baffling. It's not even good exposition. It's just like with Michael B. Jordan, it's just distracting that that's Carrie Coon sitting down and I guess maybe setting up a sequel to the movie. I don't know. Just it's, you know, sometimes you can make that work, like uh, John Hamm showing up at the end of the A team. And mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't. And it's not that she's not a good actress, it's just that. I do remember you freaking out in that recording being like, what the fuck? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. It's, I love her. She's, she's a fantastic actress, but she's not, she's not an A-lister in the way that her appearance would just blow your mind, right? Like if Meryl Streep shows up at the end of Kin, you're like, okay, this must mean something. When Carrie Coon shows up at the end of Kin, it's like, if you know her like me, you're excited, but you're like, okay, but why? And then the movie doesn't give you an answer. So I'm not going to give her uh, a hooey. Instead, I'm going to give the hooey to somebody you already mentioned. Juliette Lewis is atrocious in Strange Days. And I mentioned on the episode, (laughs) she screams every line that she's given in this case i'm not gonna blame the writing like like i did with tom zeismore where it's like half and half here it's 100 percent her that she just made the choice to play this character in a very uh just very loud very petulant way look lenny just stay away from philo and stay away from me stop trying to rescue me those days are over i'm a big girl now i've changed stop trying to save me i don't need saving just give up on me it hurts the story because you're supposed to, you know, Ray Fiennes is obsessed with her and it would help so much if you could see why he's obsessed with her. But other than a couple of videos where it shows him having sex, like there's really no, you don't understand where the connection is. She's just constantly, there's that scene and I put it, I think I put a clip of it on, on the episode where she's like, I don't need you to rescue me or something. It's just yeah. so bad. So I'm sorry, Juliette Lewis, for what it's worth, we liked you in Mixed Nuts. So it's not like she always... <laughs> gets the negative uh, and the contrarians. I think maybe she alternates. Yeah, but no, she gets a hooey this time. It's over! Now, Alex, as we move into the final acting category, lead actress, I propose we swap and we do the hooey first because that way we can end on the positive as you usually like. We do the negative first, positive last. I do, yes. All right. So lead actress hooey, and this one is going to hurt uh, I only have one runner-up and then one very clear winner. The runner-up, <laughs> they might be the same, Alex, <laughs> unless you pull another like obscure actress from Invasion USA. Uh, I have uh, Margaret Qualley as the runner-up from IO. And she's it's not necessarily that she's bad in the movie. I, I, I mean, I don't know that she's good either. I, there's no way of telling because the movie's just so tepid all over <laughs> that... Uh, I guess you could say that if her performance was a little more captivating, then that would elevate the movie. But as it is, I mean, she's just there. She's kind of like doing the job, but not really doing much more than that. Uh, That movie peaks when you see the Falcon eating that salad. And that has nothing to do with Margaret Qualley. (laughs) So, um, but still, sadly, 
that's nowhere near as bad as the ridiculous performance of my favorite actress in the whole wide world, Kate Winslet in Labor Day. What the hell was she thinking? What happened? I don't know. Why didn't she run away from this screenplay as soon as she read it? Did she fire her agent after he signed her up for this? I don't know. After your father left, I thought I would be alone forever. I didn't think I would care about anyone else besides you. I'm really happy for you. We're thinking Canada might be a good place to start over. Canada? They speak English. You don't need passports to get across the border. Labor Day, if you haven't seen it, don't just listen to her episode. (laughs) But yeah, she is taken captive by James Rowland. Her and her son are basically James Rowland home. It's a home invasion, sort of. And he has them as hostages. And then she falls in love with them. It's a love story amidst a kidnapping and it's cringy and horrible. And she is full of affectations in in her performance and it doesn't work. And I love her, but sorry, she gets a hooey. Uh, Are we, are we in sync, Alex, or did you find somebody else? Oh, we're not in sync. Ooh. Bryce Dallas Howard for (laughs) Jurassic World Dominion. If you've listened to many episodes of ours, funny how it works out i rewatched the village uh, a couple nights ago because we're in october mm-hmm. spooky season month and <laughs> julio and i did uh what show did we do talking about that was that movie reviews Is- yeah we did movie, re- movie reviews and toy cues with sam yeah and you and i were both like hey man this movie's not as bad as people say and i am usually like number one bryce dallas howard hater and i, I she's great in that mm-hmm. uh she's not great in jurassic world dominion most people aren't but she sticks out in that but no the the hooey and it pains me because we know she's capable in the same franchise of good things lorraine gary in jaws the revenge it's oh. uh for, <laughs> for a leading role and i've mentioned i've tried to be you know, make some excuses along the way here with bad screenwriting. And there's not much worse screenwriting than the premise of Jaws the Revenge. But man, <laughs> Lorraine Gary, uh, it's not good. It's no accident. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that maybe there are other possibilities. When it killed Sean, I knew with absolute certainty it had come for him. I knew that. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. What's it cost to take a ride on that plane? <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna hurt. Uh, not her getting the hooey. I'm sure she's fine, but uh, just her coming back to the franchise. You know, like she was in the first one. She worked with Spielberg and Chief Brody and everybody else, and now she's like, "All right, well, at least I get to date Michael Caine for ninety <laughs> minutes." And 40 years from now, I'll I'll be given an award on a podcast of how bad it was. <laughs> I'm sure she agrees that it's bad. Everybody oh, in that yeah. movie. Nobody there is under any delusions, not even the shark. No, 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 no. And that's the biggest thing with the Jaws sequels. Two sucks, but it's still trying to be a good movie. Three and four, specifically three, but three and four know how dumb they are and lean into it. But at the same time, I'm sorry. Well, there's no sacred cows here on the contrarians. L- Lorraine <laughs> Gary, come take your award. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, 
now let's swing back to the positive. Uh, lead actress Embry. And Alex, I know that somehow I've gained this sudden reputation as a pre-persuasion hater. Uh, and it is somewhat oh. justified if you listen to the to the episode. But uh, my first runner-up is Evan Rachel Wood. I think that... Oh, I like her to begin with as an actress. And uh, I think that the... The moral failings of the movie are not her fault. She is there to do a job and she does it magnificently. She's She delivers those zingers. I think that if the movie didn't have an actress as skilled as, as she is, it would fall apart much faster. I mean, one of the reasons that the movie holds up and holds your interest yeah. despite the, the shaky foundations uh, when it comes to its morality is because Ava Rachel Wood is there and she's funny and she's she's very convincing in her role. Uh, she she acts with conviction. So she and she stands up to, you know, Ron Livingstone and James Woods, like these seasoned actors that in a way kind of like cower away from her. So it's uh, it's good stuff. But uh doesn't get the word, just like Pamela Anderson in Barbed Wire doesn't get the word either, even though I was very, very surprised by how much I enjoyed her performance. I mean, I was I went into Barbed Wire expecting a joke, expecting another tan girl. And yeah, no, I got something that made a lot more sense. I think that it was it's modulated just right. Obviously, most of the critics disagree with me and with you, because we both enjoyed it. You know, we're pretty positive. Uh I think overall in that episode, uh, definitely about her. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I wanted to shout it out. I mean, it's she doesn't get the award, but it's definitely I. If you're one of those people that hasn't watched Barbed Wire, <laughs> and you think that Pamela Anderson sucks in it, uh, no, give it a shot. You might be surprised, like I was. Um, but I'm gonna give the award to somebody else. Uh, it's another actress I like, another actress that I think is underrated, even though she's built a career. And we we talk about this on the episode itself, and that is Carrie Russell and Waitress. You look awful. Thanks. I mean, you look sad. You look really sad. It's taken you a long time to notice this, but uh, I'm not a happy woman, Dr. Palmer. And I don't want you to save me. I don't want to save me. Don't want to be saved. Can I come in? No. Here. That movie has its ups and downs, its highs and lows, but through it all, Kay Russell is just perfect, pretty much as this this waitress that's trapped in a extremely toxic relationship (laughs) and somehow she makes you believe that it's okay to hang out with her and that you know that the movie is i think in our conversation about the movie with with rachel who was our our guest on that episode uh i was i was made aware of how much i let carrie russell's performance enchant me to where i wasn't like fully grasping some of the things that really don't work in that movie Uh, Mm um But that is to Kerry Russell's credit. So in the end, I think uh, I walk away from that episode and from that rewatch, maybe thinking a little less of Waitress as a movie, but thinking even more highly of Kerry Russell as an actress. So she gets the award. She's doing great uh, on TV, but she, I still, like I said in that episode, I wish that she made more movies where she's the lead. And uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe producers will hear that she won an Embry and (laughs) they'll give her her own (laughs) Star Wars movie or something. Dear baby, I hope someday somebody wants to hold you for 20 minutes straight, and that's all they do. They don't pull away, 
They don't look at your face. They don't try to kiss you. So for myself, um, I kind of use the interpretation of lead actress a little bit differently because I have Charlotte Gainsbourg here because she's the lead ah. female in that movie. Uh, same with um, Robin Wright. I have a mm-hmm. shout out to her. Uh, just honorable mention just because she's Buttercup. You know, she's the... The object of desire in that movie, and she's excellent at it. Uh, As you called then, it in the episode, a, a distractingly attractive Robin Wright. <laughs> uh, I also have Carrie Russell in the runner-up position in this uh, for the things you said, and obviously I wasn't as hot about Waitress as um, you were, and you know the fallout of that episode as well. But it's it's still a good movie, and she's excellent in it, and shows in that she could carry a movie. That that was one. It kind of lit the world on fire. At Sundance, if I remember correctly, from that mm-hmm. episode, and it's like obvious why. You know, she she's not someone that's had up until that point been given a lot of opportunities to carry the ball in that way. And uh, what hit a home run, slam dunk, ran it for a touchdown, whatever expression you want to use. But in the true spirit of the Embry and what we do here, I did give it to Pamela Anderson for barbed wire. Yes, that was nice kicking. You really know your stuff, babe. What did you call me? Don't call me babe. What a strange episode that was. (laughs) Because neither of us had ever seen it, but just knew... Well, I had seen parts of it, but neither of us (laughs) had ever seen it, just knew more of its legacy of being like, quote, one of the worst movies of all time. And it's not what we talk about in the episode is very clear that the majority of people involved in this know the assignment and no more so greater than Pamela Anderson of knowing like she's a comic book character and to deliver her lines that way and not to be taken seriously and everything's supposed to be like 1960s Batman just with, you know, more cleavage and a a darker (laughs) sheen on it. So, uh, yeah, I honestly... Like I was talking about with James Woods and a couple of the other awards we've given out so far, I really tried to embody the spirit of what we give out the awards for here. And I think Pamela Anderson, and it sounds like you're in agreement, definitely deserves some recognition and at least one award to take home. Yeah, it's long overdue. And uh, she's definitely uh, put up with enough uh, sass for barbed wire. It's time for her to reap some rewards. <laughs> what better reward than an Embry? Amen. Does the word overkill mean anything to you? Have you ever tried to drive at a steel harbor? No. Then shut up. So we're done with the acting, Alex. Let's move on to uh, the most recent addition to our categories. It's time to give away a grant. I'm going to give away the Lancaster Dot Grant for the development of white people movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I started the last one, so take it away. Oh, this no runners up Labor Day. There, there's nothing <laughs> whiter than Labor Day. Of all, we did a Star Trek movie, and that's not even nearly as white as Labor Day. Pretty persuasion, very white. Uh, what else do we have in here? About a boy, very white. Waitress, very white. Legetti, very white. <laughs> Paris, Texas, whiter than porcelain. <laughs> and 
Invasion USA. That's some white people shit too. Strange Days. <laughs> Despite Angela Bassett being fucking awesome in that movie, very much white people shit. All of them pale in comparison, no pun intended, to Labor Day. That is one of the dumbest slash whitest movies I have ever seen. <laughs> and Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet are like incredible actors. Who else? J.K. Simmons is in that movie. James Vanderbeek, you know, for what it's worth, he's in there too. Awful. Toby McGuire at the end. Toby McGuire's in there. You're right. Dear Henry, I hope you will remember me. We once spent Labor Day weekend together, five of the best days of my life. I had always wondered who you would become and what you would look like. And then, one day, I came across a familiar-looking pie. And there you were. But it is just the dumbest shit. That like we talk about, it's the you know the romance novel that someone reads in a hammock in a fall afternoon when the you know the sun's still out, so it's a little warm, but the air is nice and crisp and a little chilly. The and kids, it's, the oh. kids are away, so yes. you can you can touch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but the premise of that movie is just the dumbest shit. And such white people shit that there is no competition for this. So as much as it pains me to, you know, talk shit about Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet and Tobey <laughs> Maguire and J.K. Simmons, their involvement with this, they're, I mean, they are some of the whitest actors out there. So I guess it makes sense, but no competition. Labor Day takes home all the white people shit. Well, Alex, uh, you mentioned a lot of my runners up. Uh, you didn't mention my the one I'm going to give you the grant to. But before I reveal that, we have two other uh, patrons that just chimed in with yeah. uh, with their own nominees for the grant. So first up, we have John Amenta from The Pint and also from the Star Trek episode that we did together. Uh, yeah. But no, he did not nominate Star Trek. Instead, he said Lancaster Dot Award, Grease 2. It has nothing but white people and they bowl in it. The sport equivalent of a Panera gift <laughs> card in its whiteness. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we have another clip. This is from Stu from the Stu World Order, who did, uh, he, he requested, demanded our most recent episode, Dawn of the Dead. And he was uh, a guest on our. Uh, Romy Michelle episode from last year. So here's his clip. Hey there, contrarians. This is Stu from SWOproductions.com and the Stu World Order podcast. And when I think of the Lancaster Dodd grant for the development of white people movies, what I think of is without a doubt being John Malkovich, a movie about <laughs> a bunch of old straight white people wondering what life is like as another old straight white person. I imagine no no non-white person in the world has ever watched this movie unless they were forced to for some reason. Who cares? Who who cares what this movie is about? It's just about it's just it's it's you know what? I I can't say it any better than how the award is described. It's prime white people bullshit. So I I don't know what you guys are going to pick, but looking over the list, nothing Nothing calls out for the Lancaster Dodd Grant more than being John Malkovich. That's perfect. It's very passionate. 
Uh, and that makes now three people, you, John, and Sue, who have uh, railed against the whiteness of a lot of movies and haven't picked what I thought was the obvious uh, recipient for the award. And that is The Commitments. The Commitments is a movie about a bunch of white people that decide to play soul. <laughs> they literally decide to pretend they're black. They they say Fair. they're black in the movie. <laughs> it's insane. It's also a movie I like a lot. But the fact that, <laughs> that they're a bunch of white Irish kids who say that they're uh, they're <laughs> they're black and they're proud. That's that's a line from the movie. Uh, I mean, how can you not give him the grant? Do you not think? Uh, well, well, like maybe we're a little white for that kind of thing. Do you not get it, lads? The Irish are the blacks of Europe, and Dubliners are the blacks of Ireland, and the Northside Dubliners are the blacks of Dublin. So say it once, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Well, that's it. Hopefully, uh, Alan Parker, Alan, the Alan Parker State collects the grant and puts that that money to good use. Um, let's move on to spicier stuff, Alex. We're gonna give away the Ruffalo. Let's get sexy. I'll go first. As I mentioned in our uh, video preview. Uh, this year has been a lot more sexual than romantic for the contrarians. We we kind of had a hard time finding nominees for our best kiss category on that pre-show. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, as far as memorable sex, I think that there's there's some strong candidates here. I'm going to start with something that we don't even see, but it's it has to be heavily implied in order for the story to work, as we alluded to in the episode. And that is the amazing sex that's taking place off screen in Double Indemnity. That's the only way that movie makes sense is if Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck are just ravaging each other nonstop and they can't get enough of each other. And that's why they're like, fuck it, we're going to commit murder. (laughs) The only way. Um, I mean, it it might have gotten the award if we actually had gotten to see any of it. But uh, I just I wanted to to give it a shout out. Now, on a less amusing side, uh, but also, I mean, it is about it being memorable. And few things are going to be more memorable than uh, Tom Zeismer and Juliette Lewis role-playing yep. in Strange Days, where he's pretending to uh, assault her. And then we have the reveal that, oh, no, it's it's she's into it. She knows who he is. And then he looks in the mirror and we get that POV shot of Tom Zeismer looking at himself in the mirror as he is climaxing uh, and having sex with Juliette Lewis. It is as disturbing, even more disturbing than what I described. <laughs> but but it sticks with you. So there's that. But I'm not going to give the word because instead I'm going to give the word to a sex scene that just it, it has become part of Contrarian's history. And it's something that I reference every time I want to make you uncomfortable. And that is... The Jim Carrey sex scene in Dark Crimes. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair pick. It's it's just a close-up of his face as as he goes to town and and completes the deed. It's so uh so memorable that they actually, if you look through our Instagram, there's a post that is just a collection of uh screenshots of that scene. And uh it's like a collage of Jim Carrey achieving climax. It's uh, 
<laughs> and that's like an uninterrupted shot in the movie. Yep. Yep. It's it's quite a th- dark crimes. I mean, it's like we've said before and we say in the episode, it's not a good movie, but there are some things that we're just not going to forget. Charlotte games works uh, performance, especially at the very end. And then the Jim Carrey sex scene, which by the way, was uh, Jason Nerdrovert's original submission. And then I said, well, Jason, you got to spread the love. You can't give an award to a movie that you picked for this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he went to Riders of Justice and Matt Smickelson. But still, so we're not alone, Alex. How many of you have seen Dark Crimes? How many of you would give the award to uh, to Jim Carrey? Let us know. Uh, but also, more importantly, Alex, are you giving Jim Carrey the award? Or did you find something that was more... More memorable than that. Oh, yeah. That, that was just more disturbing than memorable. <laughs> um, I mean, it was memorable in its disturbing nature. Uh, being John Malkovich, of course, because uh, it's similar to uh, Strange Days in the sense of like it's integral to the plot uh, and memorable because of that. I also had Strange Days down, so I can't take that from you. Uh, Labor Day, they're fucking when they make that peach pie. So... <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> they, I'm positive they both climax by the end of that. And when he says, help me put a roof on it, that's basically like, <laughs> hold on while I go get the towel. <laughs> and then number one, I can't even believe this wasn't in your honorable mention. Son of Gleason and Maggie Gyllenhaal going to town on each other in a hot tub, man. Because so much of Frank was unexpected to me. And if you watch something like being John Malkovich or strange days. Like, you know, kind of where some of this shit's going labor days, especially, you know, there's going to be some sexual tension. And then Frank, the way it all just happens so quickly. And it is a very like hot tub sex scenes and movies vary from, uh, intentionally comedic to like super intense to also unintentionally comedic. Here, because it also adds an interesting wrinkle to the characters that it sticks the rest of the movie. We know these guys have like had intense sex with one another and their relationship remains weird and kind of estranged after that. And it it's the most memorable and um, it's not the most gratuitous we saw, but I think it lives in the spirit of the Ruffalo, the, the right amount of uh, shockingness, but also adds to the the story for the remaining runtime of the film. I agree. I had it in my short list, but I just, you know, when it came to when it came to it, there were a couple others that I wanted to call out. Uh all right. Have we had any we there's been no double award winners so far, have there? No. They yeah. haven't. I mean, you know, there's some movies that have taken awards from us in different categories. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But no, so far we haven't doubled up. I think that might change <laughs> pretty soon. Uh, maybe not with the next one, but with the one that follows. Uh, well, first, I guess the question must be asked. Do you have a GAD and or an anti-GAD? I do. I have uh, one anti-GAD and then I had um, two runners up and one GAD. Okay. I am fairly sure that our anti-GAD is the same. <laughs> <laughs> So well, then let's do you want to just, just like say it at the same time? Yes. Okay. Uh, so on, th- on three. One, okay. two, three. 
Colorado, Colorado space. space. <laughs> I put your favorite movie on. I know this one by heart. You have a little something in your eyes, you know. I think after Rome and Colosseum, we should go Corsica, Malta, Greek Isles. Greek Isles are the best. Yeah, that, how is that fresh? <laughs> Dude, when I was going through them and like, in keeping with the gad, I was going on the list. I was like, well, these all kind of have their legacy to serve. And then I looked up Colorado Space, like, oh, easy. This, like, it's 86% <laughs> and accompanied by that certified fresh logo. And I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Cause <laughs> that's uh, 210 reviews, too. It's not a small pool. And it, that episode, for those of you who are unfamiliar, both of our takeaways was like, it's fine. You've seen this movie before several times. Uh, but it's no it, like when that came out, people were acting like it was some modern sci-fi horror Marvel, and it's it's not. So it's definitely worthy of a double anti-gad. Yes, it, it is. Uh, I think that the fans of the writer uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft fans, just came out in mass, and it was like this is what we're waiting for, and and that's where we obviously. You know, we haven't read the short story. We haven't, we're not familiar with the author's work, but either way, I mean, that shouldn't matter in the sense that the movie should stand on its own. And uh, when I'm watching it, I'm not like, oh, is this a faithful representation of whatever he was doing in the book? I'm like, does this work as a movie? And if you listen to the episode, um, you can hear both of us elaborate why it doesn't. But yeah, uh, yeah I, that, no regrets. I'm glad that if we're going to have a double up on one, uh, it would be this one. Now, it could be that we also have the same GAD. So let's see. I have uh, I have some runner-ups and then I have my GAD. Uh, mm-hmm. But you start. You go first. All right. So runners up. Uh, four Brothers got it because it's to have like a gray area on that. And again, just you can listen to the episode to know my thoughts. Like that's a perfectly fun grindhouse style action movie uh that john singleton you know you have a real director and we talk about in the uh, warm-up of it of his thoughts of like hey i'm just gonna make a fun movie and it is that so to see it has i think it's like 56 somewhere in that area on rotten tomatoes that that's not entirely truthful of what that movie has to offer secondly death sentence from 2007 20 percent is absolutely <laughs> fucking ridiculous for that movie that movie rules it's uh you came to this award ceremony with the dead sentence t-shirt <laughs> that yes well because it's great and you know james wan put together this just fantastic uh you know reimagining of uh the it's a novel right death yeah, yeah novel yeah. by Br- brian garfield and um it's just excellent it's so unrelenting in its brutality and the acting is i just think it's extremely misleading the a 20% rating and um the only reason it didn't get the gad is because of what got the gad from me does have a legacy as being one of the worst movies of all time when it absolutely is not and that's barbed wire i do believe i'm falling in love get in line to come into the episode as we did as it was a, a pick during the patron takeover having only the knowledge of like having seen 
in my younger years, the scenes where Pamela Anderson's boobs are out, <laughs> but also having that accompanying knowledge in, into my adult years that, oh, it's one of the worst movies ever made. And this is not new for the uh, the Embrys. Howard the Duck comes to mind in yep. terms of a movie that is regarded as one of the worst movies of all time, and it absolutely is not. Um, Julio, I, I don't mean to speak for both of us, but I think you'd have my back. Hancock, for example, is worse than both <laughs> Howard the Duck and Barbed Wire. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks is worse than Howard the Duck and Barbed Wire. And these movies have just kind of these innocuous legacies to them. So Barbed Wire is by no means like a perfect movie. I think I gave it three stars and like a C plus in my rating. But to have the legacy it does as like this hard to get through, like awful, dumb horrible dialogue like everything that people say about it is just untrue and if we can do our part a little bit more here or at least my part because i don't know what you're going to say julio uh to to give it the gad and say that it's 28 percent of rotten tomatoes and its legacy as an all-time stinker is not true at all i just realized i never logged uh bar wire because i was like how much did i get many stars did i give barbed wire and it's just i don't have it because i I usually i like to wait until after the episode has come out to log it Mm -hmm. and i completely forgot so um it's on the to-do list now (laughs) uh (laughs) hey i i agree with you on the performance too so um let me uh give you my my gad runner-ups uh which are movie one is a movie that you would never have considered and that is grease (laughs) too Which is infamous. Yep. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's uh, It has its problems, but it is not the train wreck that people say it is. It is. I think even you, Alex, would agree. And I think maybe you did in the episode that it's just its biggest problem is that it's just a follow up to Greece. And so Greece is just iconic and it automatically overshadows anything good that Greece 2 has to offer because you're like, oh, well, but it's not Greece. So why would I even bother? But I think it has some really good songs and it has some good performances. And then, of course, it has Maxwell Caulfield and it has just the, the parts that don't work, don't work. But I think that it's it's better than a, than its reputation. Same as the mutations, apparently, which is rotten, mm-hmm. and and we had a fine time with it. Donald Pleasance's uh, performance alone is good enough to warrant watching that movie. But so many people would just look it up and run tomatoes and look at the score. I think this one was like a either a zero percent or just it didn't have like a, a enough of a score. It was just overall negative, and it, yeah, I mean that doesn't entice you to watch it, and you, you should. It's a ninety minutes. Have fun. Um, but Alex, it is fitting. I was avoiding answering your barbed wire question right away because I also have it as my GAD recipient. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's it was almost a no-brainer. I mean, I told you a couple other ones too, but this was easily like the the biggest contrast probably between what the Rotten Tomatoes score is, what the reputation is, and how much we enjoyed it and we appreciate it. And you're right. There are a lot of people that I think just write it off because they it has that reputation of, oh, well, it's just a movie. If you want to see Pamela Anderson shake her boobs, that's the movie you watch. And it's actually, no, it has a really good sense of humor. It has some pretty decent action. It, it's a... Uh, it works. The tone works in a way. I keep bringing up Tank Girl, but you know, it works in a way that Tank Girl didn't work when when we watched it. I think that it just mm-hmm. it walks right up to the line of being silly and corny, but then it pulls back. and And Pamela Anderson is a big part of it, yes, because you know she she really embodies barbed wire in a way that that 
works. Uh, but then it has a uh, Sander Berkeley. It's always great to see him in anything. Uh, I mean, not a perfect Glenn movie. Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, uh, showing up whenever, whenever uh, when you least expect him. He's always there. And then, you know, it has it has its low points. Uh, it's uh, Django Fett's name. Timura Morrison didn't quite yeah. work for me as, as the, the love interest. Uh, but even then, you know, it's a fun movie. Big surprise. So I think that whenever we give away a gad, it comes with that that plea or that just request to anybody that's listening. If you haven't seen this movie, you haven't seen Barbed Wire, give it a shot because there's a really good chance that it is not what you think it is. If you only know it by reputation, then that reputation is, is not doing it justice. So check out Barbed Wire. Alex and I both gave it a gad. <laughs> so that's going to count for something. Same way that Colorado Space getting two anti-gads counts for something. <laughs> Cut the shit. Where's my money? The two categories were completely in sync on. Yeah. And now, of course, the big question is, are we going to be in sync with the final two categories, the, the biggest categories of them all? The the Huey and the Embry. I doubt it, but it's been a fun ride. <laughs> and the Embry goes to Greece, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, how do you want to do this, Alex? Who, who starts with the Huey? Uh, I'll start with the Huey. Okay. For both of these, I considered the quality of the movie and also the recording session and Mm -hmm. like my mindset going into it and how much I struggled to work on either side of the the gimmick that we do here. So for the Hui, some runners up include Ken. That was just brutal. That was (laughs) a, a hard one to get through and to pretend at any point like it was something enjoyable. Labor Day as well, because that movie's very bad. Um, sorry, Brandon. Vikram was the hardest movie all year to get through in terms of just actually watching it. Not necessarily like what I was watching, but just the pacing. And it, it was a rough viewing experience. Nothing but trouble, because also I knew going into it, Ryan loved it. So I was like, God damn it. I'm going to have to listen <laughs> to this guy talk positively about this movie. <laughs> I uh, kid, but that that was tough to get through. But it at least had the completely unexpected Tupac appearance, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Tupac!" <laughs> um, but the Huey for the past year of contrarian films goes to Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> that's just an unbelievably awful time at the movies. Uh, two and a half hours long, completely ridiculous. The premise is bad. Uh, as I've mentioned up until this point, actors that I have found either to be good in other things or actors that I know are good are just completely squandered and superfluous in this. Wow, and what, what happens? You just tell them what to do and they, uh, they comply? Or? It's a human-animal bond based on mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Had a dog once. Humped my leg so much, I, I got to on my shin bone. It's a true story. My review, I gave it one star, probably a D uh, letter grade, and my review on uh, Letterboxd just said, life's too short for this shit, and that's how I feel. <laughs> it's not a movie worth watching, and it's like one of the few times that I questioned what we were doing by doing this podcast. Was, <laughs> you know, an hour and 50 minutes into it, was like, oh, what the fuck? There's 40 minutes left in this. It's just, <laughs> it's terrible. 
I passionately disliked that movie. So the Hui goes home with uh, Jurassic World Dominion. And who who directed that movie? That was uh, Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. Col- yeah, Colin Trevorrow. So uh, a cast of incredibly talented people that were just not used to their <laughs> talents. Omar Sy, for God's sakes, <laughs> the man, the homies in it, and just. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, don't surprise me. I I don't think it's a good movie. Uh, I, I just don't dislike it as passionately. I think that there's, I, I think, like I said in the episode, I enjoy, I think just the nostalgia plays with me. You know, I just, I was just happy to see Laura Dern and Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum kind of like together again, talking about dinosaurs. And then the story just, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't know what to do, but I don't disagree. I mean, it's, a, I, I, it's just such a, wet fart of a <laughs> Jurassic Park movie. I'm sorry, Jurassic World. Uh, but I no, I think that we've seen much, much worse this year, Alex. Uh, although I agree with Labor Day being a, a runner-up. That movie has my favorite actress, as I mentioned, <laughs> and it forced me to give it a hooey. That's how bad it is. It's just... It's puzzling. I don't understand. I still don't understand. We had this conversation back whenever we did that movie earlier in the year. And it just that a director that seems to go with really smart material. Um, Jason Reitman has made movies that we like. Uh, one movie, at least, that we love uh, up yep. there. And then he goes and does this. It's like, what happened? What is it? And then, you know, I mean, I already gave Colorado Space an eye tag ad, so I'm also going to give it a hooey, but it was it was just not good filmmaking. Um, different level, like Colorado Space, I can almost kind of let, not justify it, but I understand that there's an audience for that type of, to hell with the story, just like the spectacle of the pretty lights and, and, and the Nicolas Cage meme performance, but definitely not for me. Labor Day is just bad. Um, mm. But... The Hui goes to probably the least Julio movie in this this whole year that we've done, and that is Invasion USA. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you think you are or who you're fighting for, but it's people like you who turned this nation upside down. Nobody, but nobody is beyond the law. I know it's practical effects, Alex. I could not be bothered to give a shit. <laughs> it was just doesn't surprise me. I did, I remember hearing the tone of your voice like before we recorded that is like, yeah, this is as bad as I thought it was going to be for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about how you felt watching Jurassic World Dominion is how I felt watching Invasion USA. And it's a shorter movie, but it was just like, oh my god, can it be over? Can 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 they do something that's somewhat interesting and there there is nothing. Even taking notes and trying to be funny about it, like while I was taking notes, it was just um, it was a challenge. So thankfully, you had something. You, you were able to get something out of that movie that I didn't. And so, you know, that's why we do the show together because you can rescue me when whenever I falter, whenever a movie proves to be too much for me, which Invasion USA definitely was. Uh, so that gets my hooey. And now I'm going to close with the positive, the Embry. And Alex, you started the last one, so I'll start this one, and then you'll close us down uh, with the final award. So, The Embry. We watched a lot of good movies, or movies that are worthy of considering for The Embry this year. Uh, I, I'm assuming you agree. There was, as I was watching, I was oh, yeah. reading through the 
titles. I was like, man, that was it's been a good year. As random as it's been, it's it's been there's been a lot of good stuff there. Yes, I am going to for the most part avoid like the usual suspects uh, and try to kind of like fit in the Embry spirit uh, as I can, you know. So yes, Goodfellas is a five star movie, but you know, and I'm not saying that those involved are not trying; they're really trying. But it's just, it's not like the little underdog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. My two runner-ups, it's funny because I say that and then I have one runner-up that's kind of like a big deal. So let's get that one out of the way. I think because of the conversation we had in the episode and also in the the stuff that ended up in the cutting room floor on the patron, I want to make the case that Double Indemnity deserves to be at least a runner-up. Because yes, it's, oh, yeah. it's a classic and it's very high on the tomato meter and it's beloved by the people that are, have seen it. But... The problem is that it seems like not enough people are watching it now. <laughs> you know, like the fact that it's an older movie and that it's black and white and that it features, I wouldn't even say old fashioned storytelling necessarily, but it's just not, it's not the kind of movie that we make today. And so that seems to be causing it to become this sort of relic. And, uh, you know, we talk about it, like I said, both in the episode on the Patreon, that, that, more people should give it a chance because it's actually a really good entry point for noir and a really good entry point for classic film in a way. You know, it's like, oh, you mm-hmm. think that all movies are just like really stuffy and not fun? No, watch this. And it is great. So I considered, you know, giving it the Embry for that. Uh, on the other hand, a much more modern movie, Burning, I also put as a runner up. Because that was, you know, I know that it's made by a director that that already has reputation and it's based on a story by a writer that also has a reputation, has a career. And Stephen Young, I mean, it's he's he's a name. He already was a name when you know he was attached to this. But still, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a it's a movie that's not made in the US and that seems to have found like a little bit of a foothold here in and that's cool. I think that should be celebrated. It's it's still, and you know, the two leads, the other two, other than Steven Young, you know, the other two leads are unknown here. So, uh, I like it. I want to champion it. I, I want to. It it works so well, and it it was great because we both had a similar read where we're doing Contrarian's Corner, and then during real talk, we we'll listened to Ryan's take on it, and that opened up even a more interesting <laughs> spectrum of interpretations for that movie. So, I was very happy with it. Uh, but in the end, Alex, I'm gonna give. The Embry to a movie that I know is not going to get it from you, but a movie that I I enjoyed a lot and I've kept enjoying every time I think about it, every time I've discussed the movie with other people, and that is The Commitments. Mustang Guess you better slow the Mustang down. It worked for me, I guess, the way that Empire Records works for you still in the sense Stephen that- Stephen Holbert just like pumping his fist right now. <laughs> yes. Just the musical side of it, really. I think that that soundtrack does so much work that that is very effective. It, I, I really like the soundtrack. I really went for the characters. It's a very fluffy movie. It's not saying a whole lot about anything, but but it does hit a couple points about the power of music, bringing people together. And it's just- it, it's. A fun, what, 90 minutes? It's a little more than that. It's probably closer to two hours. But yeah, we we compared it jokingly to that thing you do. and But it is a good comparison. I think that it's that type of movie where it's not so much about the message or about you know the things that it's exploring. It's just about the ride. And it's like, hey, you like this music? 
I'm going to give you a few characters that you're going to enjoy spending time with and just have fun. And that is a movie that I think is probably underseen. Even though it's fresh on the tomato meter, it's it's also like, how many people know the commitments? You know, and yeah. like we didn't. And I, I would like more people to watch it. So I'm giving the commitments my Embry. Steven, thank you. <laughs> Because <laughs> I who know I probably never would have watched it without uh, you bringing it to the show. Now let's find out if Alex gave IO the embryo or not. Definitely not. <laughs> it, it gets nothing, and that's too kind. Um, I mean, from my perspective, Death Sentence is up there. Princess Bride was a really fun recording session, and also is obviously one of the best movies we covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank. As much as I disliked the third act of that movie, I thought that was one of the more fun movies we did this season, I guess we can call it, as it was a patron request. And you and I learned a lot, one about Frank Sidebottom and just like the idea of where the character came from. And also, I, I think I had even less knowledge than you did going in. And that was just like a kind of a trip of a movie and a really fun recording session. But I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by this. I the quality of the movie, and we did some great movies, but the quality of the movie mixed with our discussion of it and you and I in real time kind of discovering the things we truly love about it and also the desire to trumpet it and get more coverage out there, or coverage, but more eyes, more mouths talking about it, more ears hearing about it, uh, Writers of Justice. Of and, course. And it's, just, <laughs> it's the second time, the second time I covered that movie for this podcast as it was one of the QVRs I did, I believe, the year before. And it is just such a fantastic film. damn near perfect and uh but i I remember the discussion was to me it was one of the more fun episodes we did this year it probably because i had that um kind of asterisk going into it of i've already talked about this for the podcast and julio hasn't seen it so let's you know Mm -hmm. let's fucking go we we did a lot of good movies and so uh the disclaimer we gave at the beginning we we did some movies that were so good that they're like universally praised that we had to be like hey we're not going to talk about these just out of fear of like being too in the scene or too mainstream but uh yeah writers of justice come up get your embry you deserve it the whole cast it's just yes it, well the show's ending so the whole cast is going to be up there like <laughs> waving good night <laughs> that's it i was doing a quick look through the entire list and alex i think we name checked every single movie i mean not every movie got an award uh yeah but some of, even if it was just like like Goodfellas got called out just basically us saying hey we're not gonna be talking about Goodfellas <laughs> yeah but still between this and the and the pre-show that we done the video I think everybody got got a little bit of love or a little bit of acknowledgement um, I don't wanna I don't wanna pour salt on the wound but uh, Vikram definitely underperformed at these awards. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good thing I don't know uh, Dawn of the Dead also I think. Did we did we give anything to Dawn of the Dead? 
I honestly think it was like I was so worried about recency bias that I was like, I can't give this anything. Yeah, I think at some well, point we give it a lot in the episode. We give it a lot of praise. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah, I had Ken Free under lead actor in an earlier stage of my of my list, but then he got cut down. So there's that. But anyway, fantastic year, good year for the Contrarians. Uh, if you haven't seen these movies, just watch them. Most of them were pretty easy to find. I think that. Uh, Probably, I, I want to say Invasion USA might have been like the biggest one where we we had to, like Pluto came to the rescue on that one. But uh, yeah, overall, like uh, especially the ones that got good awards, check them out if you haven't yet, and then listen to the episode if you haven't. Uh, but that is it for the end of this uh, celebration of our ninth year on the main feed. Of course, patrons, you know that there's more waiting for you. We have the 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 post party. Uh, that we'll we'll record in a little bit but uh until then uh let's do the perennial plugs get us out of here alex all right as always we give thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing track they kick us off with last stand take us home with summer of 99 be sure to head over to the festive years.com for any and all festive years needs our friend and fellow podcaster Hans Rudgeser, he's the man behind our logo, behind all the graphics on our webpage, our Patreon page, our merch page. It's the guy that did that little tomato looking at himself in the mirror. So uh, if you like his work, reach out to him on Twitter at Mildemonios, M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S, or visit his website, mildemonios.de, or email him. Just tell him, hey, cool tomato, mildemonios at hotmail.com. Uh, you can listen to his podcast, Nación Combi, which is about proving current affairs, and Marginal, which is about economy. Hans, thank you for all your support. LateNightGrin.com, our buddy Joe Holbert runs the ship over there. So for any and all pro wrestling podcasting needs, that's where you need to go, LateNightGrin.com. And we always close with a special thank you to our social media team of Corey Ari and Zoe Perez. Zoe, a day oneer with us. And of course, Corey, who continues to just absolutely murder it with our YouTube warm up videos. And uh, there'll be one for this episode as well. So, Corey, you're killing it, man. We love it. For you listening, youtube.com slash at contrarian prime, at contrarian prime on Instagram, facebook.com slash contrarian prime. And, of course, our Twitter or X account is in the bumper. That's where you can find all you need in the realm of Contrarian's goodness. And those videos and posts that we uh, have our team for will be there. We appreciate the work they do for us quite dearly. And for yet another year, we most of all appreciate you, the listening public, for tuning in to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And we will catch you next time. Follow me.